0: It's that time again. We go beyond the jive. Join our hosts John Swan and Natalie B. Brave the sting of to reap the sweet rewards. All you hive jive junkies out there, this is
1: the hive jive. How are you doing today? How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, it's uh, it's starting to cool off a little bit. We're starting to get more frequent rains. Oh my God! There's a kitty. A kitten. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, kitten. Yeah. So if if all of a sudden everything goes topsy turvy and upside down, or there's a strange yeah. shape in the in the camera, it's the kitten. <laughs> That's right,
0: because he usually climbs on my back from the ground up using his claws on my skin. Oh, of course. Yes. <laughs> <feel like> yes. <laughs>
1: Hi, human pincushion. Hold still while I call you today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How funny. Well, cool. Welcome, little kitty. <laughs> yep,
0: part of the family now. So, but I'm sorry, you were saying.
1: I I just, you know, random weather related BS. It's getting nicer. Fall is approaching as far as the temperatures and everything feel. So that's nice. It's always a cool thing. And interestingly enough, um, I I doubt this is the same in your area just from reference of, you know, being there in the past, but I had to make a trip today to go pick up some basically various types of chicken feed. <laughs> and so on the way out and on the way back, I was noticing in the very few spots I have never seen like what I had back home where I had 40 acres of goldenrod, but every now and then I would see a tiny little clump of goldenrod and it's all in full bloom up here. So kind of an interesting, it, you know, I know that in some of the, the further Northern States, farther Northern States, they, theirs goes into bloom early too. So Texas is like late September. It might start thinking about it and then into October it's in full bloom kind of thing. So it was interesting to see that, you know, up here in the Southern Ozarks goldenrod's already in full bloom. That was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, that's nice. That's an early fall kind of a crop, right? Yep.
1: And now that we've had several rains, like we got three inches of rain uh, two days ago, just kind of on and off all day throughout the day. It, It would be drastically heavy downpour and then it would lighten up to a sprinkle and then heavy downpour, but it never stopped. And we got three inches of rain that day. So that's several days of rain in a row in the past week and a half and everything's livening up flowers are blooming so our our fall flow i have a feeling is starting if not already started and underway which is really kind of nice um neither of my colonies need it <laughs> all all available open space is already full of capped liquid, so they're good <laughs>
0: they've got they've got what they need to to go uh from for a while anyway.
1: And for a little while, yeah. I mean, granted we're talking about one that is a whopping 5 frames at the moment thanks to the bear, but uh hey, it is what it is. I have not went back down there to check and see how successful the whole queen raising process has gone. Oh, uh, I yeah. probably should do that to make sure that there's at least queen cells before she hatches. <laughs>
0: Just to make sure. Plus, if you need to boost them with some eggs again, then that would that would help them earlier than later, too.
1: That's true. Yeah, because if I wait too long, you're not going to know whether or not it even happened, because that once she emerges, they will tear those back down. And you right. might see remnants of it, but you might not. So you really kind of want to catch it before then. But I've been wanting to just like, let them be leave them alone, let them do their thing. Because um, they're already fighting an uphill battle and, and kind of got Time and nature not on their side at this point. Right.
0: They they really had a rough go there for a bit.
1: I mean, you know, it happens. And the good news, though, the bear itself has not been back. Well, that's
0: good, right? Because usually uh, when it tastes um, some of that good those goodies, they just tend to want to come back. I mean, yeah,
1: right. we we got lucky. It's now been two weeks, I think, um maybe three, two weeks, two to three weeks with no. I think it's two weeks with no reports of bears in the area so fingers crossed all is well um, how are you guys are you still like trying to claw out of the drought or has it uh, I know you got I, some rain last time
0: mm-hmm. we, you know the the Gulf of Mexico's had a few storms that have kind of sent some rain our way and for the last couple of weeks it's been raining some really good showers and in other ways on a fairly regular basis enough that the plants in the area have kicked in we've got lots of yellow pollen coming in bees are brooding up but granted a lot of my bees were brooding up even before that some of which had like full slabs of capped brood because they could tell what was coming but the smaller uh, less established ones were still kind of like well, we don't know what we're doing and we don't have the strength to really boost and make that gamble, right? So uh, I think that the bees are perfectly aware of what they've got and and how much they can gamble away. So a lot of them were still very contracted and without much brood. And just a couple of weeks ago, we started seeing some eggs and they started kind of like, like, I mean, just kind of like timidly trying to pick back up. They didn't want to gamble too hard, but now that the rain is here, everybody's like, woohoo, let's go.
1: Let's do it. Very good, very good. Well, um, today we have a article that we're going to discuss that is bee adjacent.
0: <laughs> it's a superorganism. It
1: right. is a super organism. It is a cousin of a honeybee, but mm-hmm. it is not the bee itself. But I thought that the research was actually really kind of cool, and it has implications, even if it's not exact it does point at other things going on inside the body of these little insects that have been kind of astounding. So the article itself, we will post it out there for everybody to find in the description for this episode. And it comes from Science News. The title of it is A Clever Molecular Trick Extends the Lives of Queen Ants. And for this specific study, I'm not going to say the entire name because I will butcher it. Um, So the abbreviated scientific name of this specific species of ant is H. Saltator. And Mm. it is, you're going to hear a lot of parallels here that we already know of in beekeeping. So just to hit the highlights, they've always wondered why the queen of this specific species of ant can live 30 times longer than the workers. Now, on a, like a contrary to our honeybees the way that the honeybees work that should sound very familiar to you but when they lose a queen their workers can battle for the right to become kind of a pseudo queen and they call those gamagats or gamagits it looks like gamergate but the r is not pronounced and it's in a different language so gamagat something like that gamagit um is those... it in spanish I'm not sure on the, if it's Spanish or not.
0: (laughs) Mm, Because if it is, it would be gamargetes, gamargetes, but I don't know. I don't
1: know. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have that on the end of it though. Mm. Um, But so the, the interesting thing here was that when these workers do that battle, they actually switch something inside their body. And they start sending, and this all basically revolves around insulin. So they switch this insulin pathway inside their body and start sending more insulin to the reproductive tracts. They develop and grow ovaries. And unlike our honeybees, they can physically mate, but they're not a queen. They're not like a full-blood, full-fledged queen. But even still, this pseudo-queen now has a lifespan five times longer than she would have otherwise once she makes that evolutionary jump. But if she loses the battle and she does not become the queen, she will revert back to a worker ant. And then her lifespan reduces back to what it normally would have been. So that leads to a lot of questions about like what's going on inside there that is allowing this to happen. And this research article goes through and points out the fact of how this all works. So I'm going to just spill the beans real quick, and then we'll have a conversation about this so that we can dig into the implications of it. So we talked about the fact that it's an insulin pathway. In these species, again, ants, termites, and bees all have the super organism aspect to them. They all have this weird characteristic of their queen living way longer than the workers. And there's different ways that they can replace the queens. Now, the research has shown that in this specific species of ant, what they're doing is that insulin pathway, the the equation of it basically is the more insulin running through the body, the shorter your lifespan. So the more higher drive insulin you have going, the shorter it, it's it's repercussion is aging and it causes you to have a shorter lifespan but if you are well actually it goes hand in hand if you are a creature that de, um sends a lot of resources to reproduction reproduction okay. takes a heavy toll which also shortens your lifespan in this specific species of though, that pathway splits into a y You can have one part of the insulin pathway that is going towards aging and one part that is going towards reproduction. And there is a new molecule that they have identified, which they have called IMP-L2. And that molecule blocks the insulin pathway, but it just blocks the insulin pathway towards aging and directs all the insulin towards the reproductive system without compromising the aging. And they don't know how there's still a lot of research that they've got to go through and do to see how it, this molecule can block one pathway, but not the other. But that is the trick that these ants can do. And they can do it almost willingly. If they have to go through that stat, that stage and strategy of I'm now need to become the pseudo queen, they can consciously switch that into gear or turn it back off. And it increases or decreases their aging. So because they're so close relatives to honeybees, I thought it was fascinating, and I thought that it was really interesting that it could imply there's something similar going on in the development of a queen, although not conscious effort. It doesn't happen instantaneously, and when our workers become laying workers, they don't magically get a five-time boost in their lifespan, but when that queen eats only royal jelly, she doesn't get stunted, she doesn't go through these other processes, something inside there happens, and now she can lay thousands of eggs. And she can live for many years and it's just phenomenal. So check out the article, go through, read it, see what you think. And now I open it up and I'll allow you to talk.
0: (laughs) Well, all I've been thinking the entire time that I've read the article and the entire time that you've been talking is how... As a pseudo queen myself, do I get my hands on that insulin blocker so I can extend my, lo- my longevity? Right. <laughs> my, my reproduction is over, so I'm done. I'm just can concentrate on aging now and just kind of extending that. So I, I was just kind of like, how does it apply to mammals? Uh, well, is my question.
1: So the the it's, it's it's cool that you mentioned that because it does talk about insulin the way that it's working in the insects does the exact same thing in mammals and in humans insulin is one of the higher causes of aging and that's why we want to kind of keep that in check now your body naturally produces insulin when you eat there's a spike in insulin but it's supposed to regulate and go back down people that have issues with that sometimes they don't have enough sometimes they have too much have to then go through and take medication to try to regulate that but it does have some really interesting possibilities Mm -hmm. if they can figure out how these different molecules work and how these pathways work. They're also looking into, for for the human aspect of things, they've been looking into a specific type of jellyfish that they call it like it's the eternal jellyfish because it doesn't age and it doesn't have any definitive lifespan. It just goes and goes and goes. And so they've been trying to figure out what gene or genetic adaptation or whatever is allowing this to happen so if they start finding enough of these little things maybe someday there might be something that truly can extend the life or slow down the effects of aging you know so that we can all feel young and beautiful for much longer than we should
0: (laughs) well well, i'm way over the hill so i'm just kind of like really desperate for those solutions now (laughs) I mean, it's going down fast, but the the thing I was looking at uh, in relation to that article was that calorie restriction is another way to uh, decrease insulin production and increase lifespan, especially in mammals. The problem is that it hurts reproduction. And again, I don't care about that anymore. <laughs> and, and if I reduce my calories, that probably is going to help me live longer as well. So there's um, related research that kind of ties into this, even for mammals that we can <laughs> look at them. But I, I digress. I'm, I'm just joking. But the point is that it's fascinating that they have that dual control system for, for insulin. Um, the metabolism controlling... Um, uh, hormone that insulin is because that there's a, there's a trade-off between that aging process and that reproduction, uh, fecundity basically. And so I think it's just awesome that they can, um, boost that insulin when they want to promote the, um, egg developments, but they can also block that other part of the pathway pathways, uh, so that their ovaries can just kind of, um, uh, slow down in their aging process that, that that insulin blocker slows down the aging process i think it's absolutely fascinating and i could very well be the exact same thing happening in our bees or something very similar anyway so um by the way those uh harpain saltator Ants. I don't know how you said that. They actually H. H. South
1: yeah. of That's why I was like, I'm not saying the whole thing. It's H. Period. South of They
0: have a common name that's the Indian jumping ants. Ooh. Yeah. So that's a lot easier to remember. But uh, what I really, I mean, I'm being facetious tonight, but what I really, really liked is that their pseudo queens are are ducking it out for, for queenship basically. And it's like kind of like that hunger style game, hunger game style yeah. It's kind of game of
1: thrones yeah
0: oh my gosh this it's um the same way that the queens in the um bee uh, colonies are ducking it out for for queenship yeah they're doing the same thing here but the fact that they're reverting back to regular ants after they've lost the battle for queenship is just amazing because that's epigenetics at its best right that's um changes on your your bodies that are happening uh, in your biology in your in your the way your body is formed, their ovaries develop and then they resort, right So that's just kind of um, really amazing. although those are <laughs> I like I've been using those names, but endogenous factors, right they're using the those uh, insulin blockers inside their bodies instead of being environmental uh, factor on them. although maybe the absence absence of a queen is part of that epigenetics that lets them, Um, release those insulin blockers that makes them.
1: I would would actually wager to bet that it is very similar to the same in the honeybees where once the queen is removed within an hour, they know she's missing. Within several hours, they start thinking, what are we going to do? Within 24 hours, there's already massive things underway. But if they are not successful in raising a new queen, you go 28 days with no pheromones from a queen, no pheromones from brood because it's now all... Aged and emerged and pupated and and come out as an adult. Suddenly, without the lack of pheromones from the queen to repress everything and without the pheromones from the brood to Mm -hmm. reinforce, they actually develop their ovaries. Now the ovaries are there, but they're petrified. Little shriveled up things and they invigorate them and they actually fully develop and they start functioning. And that's really interesting because the bees have the ability to move forward and backward in some aspects too. Like At the week and a half after an adult emergence, they invigorate the wax glands, they start working, but then as they age out of that, they quit. However, if you take them and put them into a situation where there's no young nurse bees, they can reinvigorate the glands to start making royal jelly. They can reinvigorate the glands to start making wax. So there's things that they can do very similar to these ants where they can move forward and backward throughout their developmental and age type caste system and process, but The real interesting thing that like you kind of mentioned in there is those pheromones from the queen is what inhibits in the bees. And the pheromone from the queen ant has to be what is inhibiting it in the workers. The pheromone spreading throughout that colony, telling them she's present, everything is good. But then when something happens to her, that pheromone is gone. They realize that and then they start battling it out and they allow their bodies to do things. Now, one of the things that is different between the ant and the bee is that a worker bee does not have the spermatheca. They do not, they're physically missing an organ that allows them to mate and retain and hold that genetic material. These worker ants, that's not the case. When they go into that gamma gate phase and they become that pseudo queen, they can mate and they can lay fertilized eggs, which is really crazy. So, there's a lot of parallels, there's a lot of similarities between the ants and the termites and the bees, but there's also some really interesting differences that give them survival advantages, you know, based on their own unique scenarios.
0: Yeah, that's absolutely mind-blowing. And I just think that it's um, you know, if we extend the concepts in 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 the much of the the world of animals, the more reproductive you are, the more babies you have, the shorter your lifespan is. You, you addition, should
1: it's the way nature is and everything except these superorganisms In every other instance if you do a ton of reproduction you have a shorter life and that's part of the reason you have to reproduce as much as possible because you're not going to be around long so So
0: i think that evolutionary speaking the superorganisms have made some amazing mind-blowing adaptations that allow them to spread and basically be eternal right The, the honeybee um colonies that we have today are all descendants of the initial ones and they're just kind of like replenishing themselves and to a certain level that's just kind of eternal in a way those lines of genetics and and so it's just kind of mind-blowing how they do that how they counterintuitively do things sometimes like uh, after swarms that we think might be detrimental to them but in the end it serves a purpose right there's still kind of like more um, backup uh, of colonies and their genes coming out into the wild. As human beings, we always kind of uh, look at the bees, especially in the in same thing in the, in the ants, I would imagine, um, from the perspective of mammals, from our perspective, from right. what we uh, understand. A lot of people will make comments, well, I've done... Uh, breeding for horses, I've done breeding for ho- uh, dogs or cows or whatever, and so or fishes, and it's a little bit the same thing. Well, it is, but it is not right because of the number of uh, cycles and how fast they actually uh, reproduce within the colony. The number of generations that you have in a cycle, in a year cycle, is Im- amazing, and the faster they make those cycles, the more they can adapt to all kinds of things. But this is particularly mind-blowing because it's it's basically an innate kind of mechanism that's probably been there for ages and that we're just not beginning to understand and i think that's just amazing people are looking deeper and deeper in those superorganisms we really need to start understanding them a lot better because everything we do we don't understand what kind of consequences we're uh, introducing on that superorganism because we don't understand all the intricacies the problem is that there's so many parameters and so many options for each of those parameters it's so uh, tightly intertwined and complicated that even computers can't really model a lot of what's happening in colony, especially because we don't understand a lot of the the more the less observable mechanisms all the pheromone communications uh the way they just kind of inoculate their young with some of the um Uh, immune system boosting or the the microbiota, the guts, you know, of the larvae with the kind of food that they feed them. Um, All kinds of things that we, when we intervene and introduce foreign substances into the the colony or intervene on swarming or um, prevention of um, uh, after swarms or drone rearing or superseding even or requeening themselves, we just kind of skew off everything. So we really need to be, uh, I'm sorry to say, mindful <laughs> of what we're doing here, <laughs> right? So, But I'm, I digress because uh, this is just mind-boggling. It's, it's a humbling realization to, to see that people are discovering those fascinating findings um, and we have no clue what else is to be discovered.
1: Well, and as as science evolves and technology evolves, we're able to peer deeper and deeper into some of these mysteries. And it wasn't just a few years ago, less than a handful of years ago that they finally realized royal jelly doesn't make a queen per se. It's Mm -hmm. the absence of what she's not eating that allows her to become a queen. And we used to attribute all all of that just to the royal jelly. So now we're going through and we've always just taken it at face value. A queen lives for this long and it's so much longer than a worker. Now we're actually starting to see in other instances where that's coming from and how that's working and the, the implications that these genetic discoveries could hold for just everything for ourselves, for other insects, other creatures, other mammals. It's a really interesting way to go through and look at stuff. So I thought it was very, very useful information. It's definitely one of those, you know, things that make you go "Hmm," in a good way kind of thing. And uh, I thought that it would be worth sharing with everybody so that you could go out there and we talk about bees all the time and these are very closely related. So it was a good jumping point to say, what if, you know, what if, what if this is actually something similar in the bee happens in a different manner, but it's following that same pathway in some way That allows them to be able to live that long and they also if you think about it they flipped it on its head because they gave the one that is doing this massive amount of reproduction she gets the ability to live for infinite time compared to the worker the worker who is not doing any reproduction gets the short end of the stick and doesn't live very long at all so they've completely flipped it around opposite of what you would think of otherwise in nature because in nature If you're not diverting all that energy to reproduction, you have a longer lifespan. So some of these bears that live for a very long time, like a panda, very Mm -hmm. seldom do they reproduce and they only have like one or two offspring maximum. And then you look at something like a frog doesn't have very long lifespan, lays hundreds of eggs or a fish, hundreds of hundreds of eggs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's really interesting that in that insect world with the superorganisms, they, they, it's all topsy turvy. It's upside down. I produce infinitely, and I can live for many years. You don't get to produce at all. Good luck. You got six weeks.
0: <laughs> you know, right. Like... Exactly. Well, it speaks to how precious and how um, important those queens are for those superorganisms. They're the reproductive gametes from from the colony, right? Along with the drones, and actually the drones also live longer than the workers, uh, but not as much as the queen. So I would that's, be curious. To that's because they don't
1: do out. anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they do, do it, it's stuff. They go and hang out at the bar every day. Right, they turn off, right. So That's they right. themselves—they're
1: perpetually dogs. teenagers or <laughs> or young high school. What did I? I equate them to uh, fraternity, like frat right. guys. <laughs> well,
0: and I, I do think that they have a bad rep. I think that they are actually. Super important, especially for spreading genetics that you're interested in. They're they bring uh, genetic diversity. They're um, they're probably they need to be there to have well mated queens and good quality drones, well fed. They're just super important, and also they serve as a protection layer around the brood's nest. Right when you have in the spring when they're brooding up and they've got all that brood. Very um, often, they, if they've got enough, they they will start throwing out drones. They surround usually the bird's nest and protect it from any changes in temperature that could be damaging. They'll be the one first one to be sacrificed.
1: Yeah, cannon fodder. <laughs>
0: yeah exactly cannon <laughs> fodder is right or food even
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's true that's true if uh if things aren't going well and we don't have a lot of protein we will cannibalize you so that we can 18. regain that protein yeah. <laughs> and then give it to the other larva um we, but we yeah didn't it,
0: that. they give it back to us this is ours we changed, we
1: changed yeah. their mind sorry um <laughs> But so like one of the other aspects though we do, we do give drones a bad rap, but there has been some research done that shows that they do actually help in certain aspects. They have been seen to help specifically with the fanning and cooling sometimes of a colony in the circulating of air. So yeah. Okay. Once in a while they get off their butt and they do something other than eat everybody out of house and home or go out and look for girls. So, you know, there could be hope for them. We don't know. (laughs)
0: well there's things we might not know maybe they communicate but because they hang out in all the other colonies they're welcome in all the colonies right so then there's got to be a purpose for
1: that they are they are the neighborhood gossips they're the social wheel they're they're how they (laughs) spread all the rumors from colony to colony that's what oh my god i was over at such and such colony <laughs> and you will not believe what they've been doing <laughs> oh,
0: well, how they're keeping their house and you won't believe you know what they're doing but you know this guy doesn't have any resources this guy's <laughs> right. got the big mansion right there
1: <laughs> their honey and nectar doesn't taste anything like ours
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs>
1: Just being silly. That's awesome. But I mean, it it, it does kind of actually make a little bit of sense in that regard, too. And and as far as the communication thing goes, that's another one of those aspects of science that we are unable to understand. We know the basics. We we literally are skimming the surface of an iceberg when it comes to communication. Because if you think about the limited ways of communication that we understand, that they have pheromones, vibration, dancing, which truly goes back to vibration and some limited audible sounds. However, it is impossible from our understanding how they have the complexity of communication to identify specific things that are needed and specific things that are not when to go, when not to go, what to do, how to pivot an entire colony towards that. All of that cannot be explained by pheromone vibration. So there's another level of communication going on that we can't even perceive or fathom.
0: Well, I am a firm believer there's some kind of history held into the wax and the chemicals that are you know, embedded into that wax that's uh, spanning several generations. Personally, I think that there's some kind of uh, remnant because they, they do show some level of how do the drones know where to go and hang out at the DCA's?
1: How does the queen know not to go to that DCA and go in the opposite direction?
0: Right, (laughs) and and it's just kind of uh, uh, interesting how everything kind of seems to be, um, they can also predict seasons. They do gamble, but I think that part of it is based on what they can measure uh, and and perceive from the environment that we don't even know, right? They know when a storm is coming ahead of time. We don't. Um, They know when forage is going to come ahead of time. That's why they gamble very often. A lot of
1: times, too, though, the ones that take the most risky gambles are the ones that are not accustomed to a specific environment. So when you take the Apis mellifera scutellata, for instance, and you take them from a tropical environment and you put them in an environment where there's now such a thing as winter, Mm
0: -hmm. they
1: make a lot more risky gambles than the bees that have been here for eons now and have said, hey, that's a bad idea, you shouldn't do that.
0: (laughs) Well, they're probably operating from different parameters, uh, things that they were used to in a different climate, like the Africanized bees, uh, they were used to tropical conditions. And so they're not really meant to be storing as much, hoarding as much food for winter. So they behave completely differently. They're used to um, uh, actually absconding a lot more in search of forage. They will try to find forage further out. So the, they are much more gamblers than the European honeybees. And, and that's because of the genetics and, and the way that things were um, basically imprinted in their genetics um, as, from where they came from. Same thing. they they will abscond at the drop of a hat when there's disturbances because they were used to predators in, in the forests, um, kind of, and especially humans,
1: Bears.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Bears smoking them out and and just destroying their nests. So they will sacrifice that much more readily than the European honeybees. And they'll just kind of live much more frugally also so that they can afford to do that. So it's very, very interesting. I think the way the differences.
1: Yeah. It truly is. So see, it's a never-ending thing. You learn something new every day. Science, as it evolves and grows, we're able to see deeper and deeper into each of these new layers. And every time yeah. it's still just as fascinating and mind-blowing as the very first revelation that we ever had in beekeeping. So so you, I was going You never stop learning.
0: That's what's amazing. And now we have more father to go to parties and Bother, you know, bother bore people with our infinite, you know, trivia of beekeeping. Now we can add the ants world.
1: Is That's this- right. Congratulations, everybody. You now have more useless trivia to use to annoy your friends. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I love it.
1: Well, thank you all for tuning in today. I hope that you have enjoyed this conversation on our bee cousins, the ants, and how they possibly could relate to some of the new things we're learning with bees as well. And again, check out the article. It is down there in the description of the episode. Go through, read it for yourself. Look up some of the phrases and words and kind of go down a rabbit hole if you want to and see what else you can learn about it. But definitely, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. We look forward to talking to you again next week. But until then, be good. And be mindful. Bye-bye.
0: Bye, guys. This Hive Jive production was made possible by amazing patrons like you. And we appreciate your support. To all our Hive Jive junkies out there, you truly are the bee's knees.